From recovery to restoration, Carl Berry was an athlete, professional musician, and extremely successful Fortune 500 sales manager. But he was also a functioning addict, which nearly destroyed his life. Today, Carl is in recovery for the past 27 years, and with his extensive connections with business, faith, and government leaders, Carl dedicates his life to help those with mental health issues, addiction, recidivism, and more. Welcome to the Community Care Resource Council podcast with your host, Carl Berry. Hello, everyone. This is Carl Berry, your host with today's episode of Community Caretaker. It is going to be a barn burner today. Uh, we've got a great uh, speaker, a great interview, and a great friend, I'd like to say, in Dr. David Lane. Dr. Lane, how are you today? I am wonderfully, wonderfully blessed. Thank you. Dr. Lane, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, Dr. Lane and I uh, have been working together on community care for a long time, uh, something that, frankly, he introduced me to. And so, Dr. Lane, to start off today's interview, I just want you to tell us about community care and why it's important. Well, community care has been a lifelong passion for me. I have worked in cities where minority issues were very apparent. I spent 27 years in St. Louis and my greatest tenure was there in St. Louis. Community care for me has been about allowing a faith-based organization to become a wellness center for community care. You mentioned um, wellness center, and I'm a little bit familiar with the Family Life Center and the concept there. Can you share a little bit more with us about that, how they connect? Yeah. A wellness center for community care is the faith-based organization that is really dealing with pain, with problems and perspectives that are not healthy that has come out of a, a mental health ministry that we've always had, which was a life management center. A life management center is where we've always done uh, mental health issues, community counseling. And when you start dealing with counseling issues, you're dealing with family issues. So the community care thing came out of the ministry to families that are hurting. Okay, so I uh, become familiar with a, uh, a statement, hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Uh, and it talks about the pain that goes through these families. And a lot of times, mistakenly so, I think people tend to want to treat the person with the problem, uh, leaving the family to feel for their self. Why is the family important on anybody's problem? Well, for me, the whole concept of what what I call orthomolecular psychology that has given birth to therapeutic preaching comes out of the framework of believing that every person that you meet ha has to deal with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And it is those uh, habits, 
and hangups that lead us to the destructive behaviors that we manifest in our lives. Okay. One of the things that has been prevalent in our country are the separation of church and state. But one of the things I've come to believe as a community care activist of myself on fruition is that the pastors and the politicians need to unite. Is that a good assessment or is that over-assessment or what do you think? Faith-based organizations pretty much see ministry based on their orientation. Uh, most of us who do ministry, we were trained to deal with people with the end result of trying to lead them to Jesus, transform their lives, and it translates into being more about proselyting, helping people for conversion purposes. I believe that there has to be a, a paradigm shift that that we minister to people, we help people because people are hurting and they need help. Uh, the opportunity to evangelize a ministry to, to people comes from their earned responsibility of having met needs. So I think that you help people because you are in a position to help people. God blesses us to be a blessing to other people. So my, my initial uh, insight is if you are hurting and I'm in a position to help, I need to help because God has blessed me to be the helper and not needing to be helped. So tell me more. I'm, I'm confused. I want to understand what do you mean about helping? What do you mean about meeting the needs? What What's going on there? Again, I, I for me, we're talking about a paradigm shift in ministry. I, I, I go all the way back to my initial statement. When, it, when, when I read Psalms 107 and verse 20, the scripture says, the Lord sent his word and healed the land and delivered them from their destruction. So my underlying premise is that every person that we meet is a potential to be a place where God desires to dwell because that person has hurts in their lives, meaning there are mind, will, conscience, and emotional issues that have to be dealt with. I believe that there's therapeutic value in the Word of God that allows the Word of God and its principles and precepts to minister to those issues. So when I'm able to help a person, mind, will, conscience, and emotions come into harmony with its creator, that's where true soul work takes place. That's what healing looks like. I understand. I understand. I think so. for so long, many of the churches were built on sharing and teaching 
their form of belief system. Uh, you you get baptized a certain way. You got to speak language and tongues. You got to do these certain things. Uh, but one of the most insightful things I ever heard you say was, "People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care." But how did you get to where you are? I mean, what contributed to your being able to do this at still a relatively young age? I mean, how did this happen? Well, that's not a short answer. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> we got time. Uh, I grew up in what most people would describe as a dysfunctional family in that my father was a functional alcoholic. And by the time I was 10 years of age, I sensed my calling and my purpose in life was to minister to hurting people. Uh, I was a part of a church as a, as a child in a neighborhood that did not understand how to minister to people who had uh, emotional issues or mental health issues. And I felt God calling me into a space to try to understand how to marry psychology and theology together. And so I set out not really understanding at that point uh, what that journey would look like in trying to understand the connection. And for me, uh, it was the desire to help people. And then by the time I was 17 years of age, I had been called to a church. I started ministry early. But in my first ministry, there was an older lady, uh, Gazetta Johnson, who asked me a question and her question was, what is the difference between the mind and the heart? And I didn't know the answer. So I searched the scripture for every passage that described heart. And that's when I made the discovery that we have two hearts as far as the scriptures are concerned. Uh, we have the physical heart that pumps blood into our vein, but our spiritual heart is really our soul, and that the soul has four chambers, just like your physical heart has four chambers. The soul or the spiritual heart has four chambers, the mind, the will, the conscience, and the emotions. And it was the, it was the diving into understanding how each of those chambers work that allowed me to understand how to minister to people. So with my mind, I think, I reason, I understand, I perceive, and I believe. With my will, I choose and I refuse. With my conscience, that's the seat of my moral and uh, volitional uh, base. I make choices. But with my emotions, I respond to what I like and what I dislike. And a person cannot be healthy 
unless all four of those are somehow living in harmony with each other. So my life's work has been trying to understand how to help people become healthy emotionally, spiritually. So that's the, that's the blending of psychology and theology. That's very insightful. You helped me out a lot there, talking about the mind, the will, the uh, conscience, and the emotions. I want to go back to that young man, that uh, pre-doctorate, young David Lane. How did he feel coming up in a family with a father uh, that was functioning but alcoholic? How did that make you feel? What did that drive a desire to spark you into helping others? Well, unfortunately... For the first 20 years of my life is is a very confusing state because number one, unfortunately, my father, I did not know at the time it took uh, my understanding psychology to understand what post-dramatic stress syndrome really looked like. My father, when my mother was three months pregnant, was drafted into the Korean War. He went into the war a very spiritual, godly, God-fearing man, and he came back a functional alcoholic. And the, the, the trauma that he had in being raised in Paris, Texas, a southern state in the early 50s, he's just now fought for his country, given his life, comes back and can't even get a decent job to support his family. So I didn't understand back in those days what was going on, but the frustration of being ill-prepared to make a decent living, his limited educational understanding uh, and skills allowed him to say, I want something different for my children. And while there were five of us, I appeared to be a little different in that I, whatever gift I have is in my mind, it's the processing of information. I can't do anything with my hands. In that era, a person of color could not make a living unless he could do things with his hand. So in the attempt to motivate me to be a hands-on person, my daddy became very abusive. You know, my daddy verbally abused me from the time I was six or seven years old until I left his house at 15 trying to motivate me. I didn't understand it as a child growing up. All I see and understand at that point is a father who's being abusive, who's having me to do, because he would say these mean things that I was too dumb, too stupid to learn anything because I couldn't do anything with my hands. And I think in his twisted 
imagination. He was trying to discourage me from having a desire to be a psychologist or a therapist or something because no person of color he knew or ever heard of made a living doing such a thing in the in the 50s and the 60s. It was the abuse that probably I look back now over my life to say God had to put me in a position to endure pain, to really understand abuse and pain, to help people who are in the same place. And so the combination of a desire to understand the Bible and a desire to minister to people was really driven by the pain and the abuse that I had to deal with in my own life. And so I think that the heart that I have for people has come as a result of that abuse, even though my dad, I'm not sure, intended for that to be the case. That was the case in my lived experience. Okay. Very, very uh, inspiring. I thank you for explaining your own personal pain and the frustration that you lived with. My question becomes, can you think of any examples of people that you have worked with or may be currently working with uh, that the uh, frustration, the pain is evident and what needed and needs to be done for those that have need for community care, for Management Life Center? That is not the easiest question to answer in that the trajectory of my life seems to be the people who grab almost everybody that I wind up uh, meeting has some thread of 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 purpose, and what what I, what I mean is that I think that all of our life experiences, whether they are good, whether they are painful, whether they are what would be considered entitled. Uh, those life experiences are the things that shape us into the people that we are. I believe that every person born comes into the world with a unique purpose, that there is an assignment to my life to do something, to make a contribution that nobody else can make. And my lived experiences shape that destiny. So my journey has been to help people identify their spiritual gifts, their natural gifts to find that purpose. And for me, it was the pain and all of that. For somebody else, it could be totally the exact opposite but we all wind up in the same place because it is t- 
taking the journey of finding your purpose. So people in community care is not just drawn to people for the pain that they are in. They are drawn to people to be the advocate for the destiny that they are designed to have. Because I believe, regardless to how educated or non-educated you are, your life experiences shape you to be a blessing to somebody else. So what I'm really saying is that I think the paradigm shift for those of us who are in community care is to see every person as, the, as a place where God desires to dwell. The more in touch with the God who created you and the purpose for which he created you, allow you, so you to see yourself as a blessing. You may be in a mess now, but my job is to help you turn that mess into a message about the grace and the goodness of God. And so I think that when we can help people see themselves as the barrier, the barriers of God's glory and God's goodness, it gives us an aspiration. So I guess what I'm saying is that somehow we have to become aspirational in our teaching, in our dealing with other people to help them see themselves better than where they are. That your condition is not you. Your condition is just that. It's a, it is a condition to make you a better you. And my job is to help connect you with that destiny. Okay, well, I'm going to speak for the listeners right now because uh, I have a question, and I'm sure those that are listening right now have the same question. Because you had an assignment, you were uh, responsive to that work, and you found help for people. But Satan tells me I can't do this. So my question to you becomes, can other people participate and help with community care? Is that something that they can do? Yeah. I think I think it starts with the desire. I think to say what I'm attempting to say another way. I think that community care has as it rudimentary foundation a desire to help people be better. It, it, it isn't about a skill set. It's about the desire to be a blessing to somebody else. I believe that part of what it means to be a Christian, part of what it means to be a believer, what it means to be a follower of the way is to see that everything that happens to me is not about me. It has to be about somebody else. God blesses me to be a blessing to somebody else. 
So if I have a desire, if I have a desire to help, I don't have to figure out how to help because somehow that desire is going to lead me to the people, the places, and the circumstances to allow me to help. It all starts with a desire. If I desire to help people somehow, now maybe that's my spiritual orientation that I feel that because everything is about honoring and glorifying God, I believe that if my desire is to honor, glorify him, he creates opportunities and circumstances and situations for me to be able to do it. Okay. It's the desire. Okay. So now I've got the desire. Where can I go to grow my ability to help? I mean, do you have uh, ways that people can uh, participate? Maybe I, I want to help, but I don't know where to help or how to help. Yeah. I, I, I think that there are so many faith-based organizations who uh, have as their primary mission trying to help other people. So to volunteer for those opportunities to do hands-on kind of things is a place to start. Because if I volunteer, if I volunteer in those places, I'm going to make connections with people to take me to the next level of help. And the Community uh, Care Resource Council uh, is an organization that was created to try to help faith-based organizations do a better job with that. And part of what the Community Care Resource Council that connects all of these local, state, and, and federal agencies to provide goods and services, uh, the next step is to become a training ground to help faith-based organizations do that better. Training is a very important word. Um, is there any training currently available? Uh, if you somebody says, I want to talk to this Dr. Lane, I want some help, what would you tell them? How should they find you? What should they do? What do you have to offer? Well, um, I, I'm working directly with the Community Care Resource Council. I'm a part of their board. Our Life Management Center is one of their primary partners. And we encourage people to basically just look up the Community Care Resource Council make that request and that's what we're in the business of doing is connecting people who have the desire to help with places where their gifts, their interests and their skills can allow them to help on different levels. Okay. I know that you're working with some other people that are just trying to get started that really haven't even made it to community care. What would you tell those people? Uh, in my conversation, because again, I don't deal with cookie cutter approaches to anything. So every person brings their own desire, 
bring their own skill set, bring whatever. I would attempt to try to assess what it is or help them discover what it is that they really want to do. I want to help. But part of what what I I enjoy doing is trying to help people who have a desire to help to discover their spiritual gifts and their desire to turn into a, a mechanism to go to the next level that that translates into a personal destiny for them. Very good. I know there are people out of there that want to know more. Uh, how would you guide them to, to find you, to ask questions, or to find what they're looking for? What guidance, or recommendations, or resources uh, would you send them to? Again, the Community Resource Council is, is my base for everything. Uh, the uh, Southern Hills Life Management Center partners with the Community Care Resource Center. We deal with people on an individual basis. We deal with organizations on an individual basis and try to steer them based on what they think their interests might be and to help them broaden that interest into connecting with other people who could take them to the next level. Okay, so Southern Hills is in Dallas, Texas. Is that correct? Southern Hills uh, Life Management Center is located in Pleasant Grove, which is a part of uh, of Dallas. Okay, yeah. and is there a number they can call? Yes, there there is. The uh, Southern Hills Life Management number is uh, 214 Six nine three nine seven zero one. Okay, and is there a website? Uh, we we are using uh, the Community Care Resource Council website at this point. Okay, that is I, I happen to know that guy real well. <laughs> That's usccrc.com. Dr. Lane, I can't thank you enough for the years that you've experienced and grown the concept of community care for the Management Life Center concept that I know uh, we didn't talk about, but that you are sharing with others that have an interest. And I just want to applaud you for the work that you're doing and thank you for your leadership and uh, your affiliation and association. I'm Carl with the Community Care, but this is our program that you're listening to today is Community Caretaker. You too can become a sojourner on the path to letting God use you. Any closing remarks, Dr. Lane? I think that uh, to be reminded that all of us have a personal destiny and to discover that destiny is going to bring peace and happiness and fulfillment in your life. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Community Care Resource Council podcast with your host, Carl Berry. Please subscribe, share, and post comments. And for more information on Community Care Resource Council, please visit usccrc.com.